I just thought of an amusing uh, example of the sort of thing that I'm vaguely talking about being that it is fairly difficult to avoid having a rich culture, you know, or even a rich sense of community or anything like that. I thought of an example of that, that um, in a dialectic I have with my goddaughter, uh, and this is why I tend to talk about Ethiopia a lot. Look, I, I tend to talk about Rome and Greece because I'm interested in those guys. I tend to talk about Ethiopia because my goddaughter uh, talks about those guys. <coughs> and I talk to her a lot. Um, I talk about Australia a lot because I'm here. Um, you know, and I'm, you could say, oh, you, you know, if you're going to be a truly, um, uh, you know, um, a truly balanced podcaster, uh, you should give equal weight to all sorts of different peoples, not just these guys, you know. I tend to talk about England a lot because I, that's my heritage. Um, strangely, I talk about Ireland not very much, and I don't know why it is. I'm apparently... 75% Irish or something, according to DNA tests that a brother and a sister did, as I mentioned. But I just, for some reason, I've never been able to get excited about Ireland. Um, one day, maybe I will. Um, I don't know what it is that doesn't fascinate me about it. Uh, but there you go. I'll just go with my, I'll go with whatever my, you know, instinct tells me. Now, uh, but I do like English culture. Um, what else am I interested in? Indigenous culture in Australia. I am interested in those guys because, you know, something different. You know, just like the Ethiopians are something different uh, for me. Uh, anything. I've, I've always been resistant to American culture, but I'm, I seem to be getting a bit more into it lately. Uh, and I won't go into that. All right. Anyway, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. I had an amusing um, example that I was chatting uh, about with my goddaughter around the idea that if someone has an absence of some sort of cultural feature that you've got, it doesn't necessarily mean, necessarily mean they've got something worse. All right. Um, you know, and, and, and that's the way we tend to think, you know. So, like I said, I don't mind repeating myself. Um, uh, we British came here. We couldn't spot um, any sort of religion that we understood amongst the indigenous cultures here. So we said they've got nothing much, you know. They've got something primitive, but it doesn't amount to much. We've got something really important, you know. So um, now, um, now uh, an example, you know, whereas we have since learned, it dawned on us, oops, you know, we made a mistake. You know, after a couple of hundred years, we've just, you know, it slowly dawned on us they've got something just as rich and powerful as we have. Um, but it's just so fundamentally different that we don't, we don't comprehend it as religion, you know. Now, the example I was uh, chatting to with my daughter, uh, goddaughter um, was, you know, sense of community, you know, because that's part of culture, sense of community, you know, and the way people relate to each other as a community, you know. Now, um, and she was sort of telling me that, uh, Ethiopians are very tight knit, you know, much like I was when I was young. You know, um, you know we we didn't we didn't have we lived in a small country town, and in Australia, and we didn't have locks on our doors, and you know people tended to wander in and out, you know. But um, my wife's family, uh, 
my wife's mother's family um, in the in a village in Sparta, um, back in Greece. Um, you know, they had a really strong sense of community. What you would call a strong sense of community, where everyone was in each other's lives all the time, and you know, the community was all the village was always into everything that each other's were, were into. You know, so everyone knew everyone. You know, if a kid did something naughty, any of the adults in the village could give them a. a um, a, uh, a whack across the head. <laughs> a, now, what is it? Kolotsi and Hastuki. <laughs> a Hastuki. That's, that's the one where you slap someone over the back of the head, you know, for stealing an apple, you know. Um, all the children belonged to all the grown-ups sort of thing, you know what I mean? Um, and everybody was an uncle and all that sort of stuff, you know. And, that's, and there was a priest and all that sort of stuff, you know. And... Um, so that's a sense of community, isn't it? And you, and you would think that's a good thing, you know. And then you would come to Australia in the suburbs here where I live from such a, a place, you know, and if you're an Ethiopian or a Greek, um, you'd come here and you wouldn't spot that. You know, people are living a lot more s- sort of separate from people. They've got a dis- There's a certain amount of distance between people. Um, yeah, uh, the families might just meet for... Um, Sunday lunch, um, if that, you know, and there's a bit of distance and, you know, siblings live a fair way away from each other and all that sort of thing once they grow up and cousins meet, you know, for Christmas and Easter and a couple of other things and, you know, but it's not the same, you know, there's, there's a certain amount of distance in the community and people are a little bit to themselves more, right, now, uh, the example I'm thinking of is, all right, this came up. And I said, yeah, that is true, you know. Um, in, a, in a village, whether it's in Ethiopia or Greece, back in the old country, um, yeah, everyone was in each other's lives constantly. You know, people just walk in to your house. Oh, have you got some eggs, you know? Um, yeah, oh, hello, how are you going? How's Boom Boom, you know what I mean? Your, your little bastard son. <laughs> you yeah. um, know, yeah, and, and everyone will be in each other's lives. And, you know, someone comes from such a village, comes to Australia, and they don't spot that. You know, people have got a bit of separation and distance between them and um, not in each other's pockets, you know. Right. And um, I said, so that all sounds idyllic. And I, I, did, I did sort of think this, you know. That sounds great. But is it the case, I asked my goddaughter, is it the case that in those communities with a strong sense of community, what happens if you hate everybody's guts? You know, you don't want them walking in. What happens there? Is that the case that half the time in those communities that are, you know, from the outside uh, appear to be so idyllic and so, you know, such beautiful culture, such beautiful culture, is it the case that half the time just about everybody hates each other's guts, you know? And brothers and sisters, they grow up and they're forced by community, you know, by culture, um, to um, stay in each other's space for the rest of their damned lives. And all they want to do is go and live somewhere else and maybe just even immigrate to bloody Australia so they can just get away from all this bulldust. Is that the case sometimes? I'm not saying all the time, you know? Um... Do you have a lot of friction in these places 
a sort of level of friction that we don't have in Australia because we've we've created that separation, that distance between us. Yeah, have we developed this distance between us because we like it? You know, and um, and with that distance, are we able to relate better? You know, to our families and all that sort of stuff. Now. If you, if I went and interviewed someone from a Greek community or something, or an Ethiopian community from the old country, and said, "Tell me about, um, you know, what what the community was like," you know, and I'm a stranger to them, they say, "Oh, the old country, it was so good. We, you know, we didn't even have locks on our doors, and everybody knew everybody. You know, that was a sense of community. It was, oh, it was better back then. You know." And say, I wish I could go back, you know, and I'll say to myself, yeah, you know, obviously, you know, they want to project that um, idyllic idea of community. And I say, I'd love to go back there and just see, you know, if, if everyone was loving each other. So maybe they were pushed too hard against each other. Maybe that wasn't so good, you know. Um, and maybe we've got a better, you know. But maybe not, you know, maybe we've got it worse, you know. Um, so, uh, now, that was the case, you know. Do, do siblings, for example, in Australia, I'm not talking about my own siblings, I'll take myself out of the picture, because we actually do get along really brilliantly well. Uh, well, if my siblings and I, um, were still back in the old country in Ireland, um, you know, 250 years ago, um and were forced to be in each other's pockets, would there be more friction between us than there is now in Australia? So what I'm saying is um, it may seem to uh, somebody from who's come from a very tight-knit community that um, coming to Australia, that Australia hasn't got that, therefore Australia has got no sense of community, you know? Aha. Uh-huh. But what if it's better? the way we've got it here on average. Now, that's not true of everybody. Some people would like the community feel, some people would like a little bit of distance, you know. Um, But given that people in Australia do have an opportunity to choose each, because there's nothing to stop a family building houses back-to-back all down, why, you know, all in the same street. There's nothing to stop Australians doing that, but they choose not to. They tend to go, you know, suburbs away from each other. They seem to do that on purpose, um, and will Ethiopians and Greeks start doing that as well the longer they stay in Australia? And are they losing something? Are they losing culture by that happening? Uh, the answer is yes, they are. But are they also gaining something as well? The answer to that is probably yes as well. So, look, what I'm getting at is... Um, just because uh, someone has an absence of the culture that you understand doesn't mean they've got no culture. They've probably got an alternative culture. And just because uh, another land has a a sense of community that is different than your sense of community doesn't mean they've necessarily got no community. Maybe they've got an alternative sense of community that for some, not everyone, for some is better, you know. Is 
the sense of community in the old village setting, and I kind of understand that a little bit because I grew up in it, as it turns out myself, even here in Australia, because we all knew, you know, we lived in a small country town, and you're inevitably, you know everybody a little bit more than you do in the suburbs, you know. I'm in the suburbs now. Uh, Right, so, um, and uh, my goddaughter did say, oh my God, yes, that's true. (laughs) Um, Yes, um, these communities that project to the world that, you know, oh, you know, we've got a perfect community and a perfect culture, you know, everything's rosy, everything's beautiful. She said, if you live amongst them for about six months, you go, oh my God, half these people hate each other's guts. And that's interesting. Uh, the moral of that story, and I'm only joking now, the moral of that story, um, hating each other's guts, living too close together, come to Australia, get a little bit more distance between you, live in different suburbs, and you may love each other more. <laughs> All right, now, that's a joke, because in some ways, that living in each other's pocket kind of community that type of community is in some ways better you know and we have lost something by not having that here but we haven't lost something and gained nothing we've lost something and gained something else you know and this is what i'm getting at with the subject of culture if someone hasn't got a culture like yours it doesn't mean they've got no culture they've probably got something just as rich it's just different and you're and and you it's, it's not something you can comprehend easily, especially if you're not even trying. I forgot. Uh, uh, take five. I forgot to tell you what I told the kids about Iceland and Greenland. And uh, Eric the Red. Now, that happens with me. I just digress and then never come back. But this time I'll come back. Okay, Uh, so I heard a vague story that Eric the Red put a whole lot of people from Denmark or somewhere into a ship and said, we're going off to, uh, to colonize a new land. And on this occasion, I'm pretty sure there were no humans there, and that will be Iceland. Now, I may have this story completely wrong, but as I said earlier in this episode, it doesn't matter if I get stories wrong. I'm not here to get stories right. I'm here to light fires. Okay, completely different approach. All right. Um, Now, um, so I heard, and I may have made some of this up, that Eric the Red put a whole lot of Danish people in a boat once upon a time and took them to what turned out to be Iceland and said, there you go, a new land for you to colonise. Um, and, uh, and I'm pretty sure there were no indigenous people there. Okay. That was okay, except it was cold. And I think word got back to Denmark that the people were pretty unhappy with the uh, raw deal that Eric the Red had given them. Um, All right, 
And then one day, apparently, Eric the Red uh, had found another island, you know, Greenland, which is a pretty big island, and uh, a very big. And he knew what had happened last time, and uh, that um, that he had not been all that popular with his little uh, fib that was a promise of a better life, and and uh, everyone said. Right, where to next, Eric? And he said, oh, no, 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 it's not Iceland this time. It's not Iceland. It's Greenland. It's much nicer. That's the story I told the kids. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. Anyway, they all got onto the boat and off they went to Greenland, which sounds lovely, doesn't it? Okay, that can be the end of the episode. No, it isn't. I had another idea. Uh, I just thought of another example that plays into the hands of what I was saying earlier in this episode, uh, that if you have a cultural feature in your culture and another culture does not have that feature, it doesn't necessarily mean they have no culture. Now, I thought of another angle on that just now. Well, I didn't think of it. I remembered it because I only know stuff that other people tell me. All right, I remembered another angle on that, and it's this. Uh, look, I've been arguing that um, yeah, in the case of the British and the Indigenous Australians, when they first met, the British had a long you know, and distinguished culture you know, of mayhem and violence and beautiful religion. Um, yeah, that went back 65,000 years, 75,000 years, 80,000 years, 100,000 years, and so on. And so did the indigenous people. Um, but the British, um, they knew their own culture, but when they got to Australia, they didn't see much evidence of their own culture in Australia. And so they said the Australians, the indigenous Australians, had no culture, you know. So that was the contention I had before. Now, that is a case of... Two cultures, each of which do have a culture, you know, a specific culture, um, and uh, one not recognising or spotting the other one, and incorrectly assuming that the other one hasn't got a culture, okay? And then I went on to say that, you know, uh, a lot of other, uh, a lot of, you know, more recent immigrants to Australia do that to the British as well, you know, we British, and they say, all right. I, um, I, we have this sense of community where we're in each other's pockets, walking in, in and out of each other's houses, and um, yeah, we have uh, festivals and you know, sort of um, habits and all that sort of thing um, that we carry out every day. I'm thinking of the Jews now, you know, like every, all week, you know, and every week of the year, uh, there's all these little sort of traditions that everyone follows as a community um, and observe, you know. And, you know, traditional dress, you know. I mean, I was talking about Turks, you know, for what it's worth, and Ethiopians, but, you know, Jews and Greeks and, you know, anybody who might come to this land, you know, Australia, as it exists now or has it existed when they got here, and they might say, oh, we had this real sense of community back in the old country and you haven't got that, so you've got nothing, you know, so those people are doing the same thing to Australians, you know. Um, we have this community system, which is a very strong community system, but it's so different to what they're used to that they 
um, incorrectly spot it as no sense of community, you know, which is absolutely wrong, you know. Um, I'm, I'm hugely um, connected into my community here in Essendon. You know, I've got scouts and football and, you know, um, and up and down the street I know everybody and all that sort of stuff. Um, but our sense of community is so different to that people, that business of living in a village and everyone... Um, wandering in and each other, out, in and out of each other's houses, and people wearing traditional dresses and garb, and um, doing their hair a certain way at a certain time of the year, and all that sort of stuff. Whereas we've got a different sense of community, and um, in that case, I argued that uh, which would you prefer to live in? You know, which one um, gets people? actually enjoying each other in a relationship sense more. You know, putting a little bit of distance between you and everybody else so that you can go home and put the TV on and just be with your own little family and, you know, just settle in, um, you know, play Scrabble or something and not suddenly be interrupted by the whole clan next door who've just barged in um, with a chicken... And said, "Listen, we um, can you. Uh, we need to feather this somewhere. Um, can we feather it in your in your bathroom? You know? Ah, oh, yeah, of course, of course. Ah, oh, and uh, there's a drink in the fridge. You know, whatever. You know. Now, you know, um, and of course, you have to say yes. By all means, of course, use our bathroom. But inside, you know, the the whole family there, who had just settled down to play Scrabble, I think, oh, holy crap." It's every day he comes in here plucking this blo- these bloody chickens. I'm sick of this, you know. He leaves feathers everywhere, but I can't say anything because it's my sense of community that forces me to pretty much live with this guy from next door. I'm sick of this guy, you know. Is that good for relationships, community relationships? Or is it better that, um, as we have in Australia, that people call first? Oh, you mean you have to call before you visit? What a terrible sense of community that is. But are you sure? Are you sure you hate that that much now that you're in Australia, you know? Or is it actually kind of good where you can breathe sometimes without 64 people traipsing in and out of your house, plucking chickens, you know, and gossiping and talking and, you know, uh, and so, yeah, so, oh, another knock at the door. Oh, um, I'm having a little bit of trouble over here. Um, I've, got, I've got to, um, I've got to go into work. I'm just leaving my kids with you. Here they are. And 16 kids walk in. You know, blah blah blah. You know, all that sort of stuff. Is that great? Do you love it? You know, or is it better in Australia where we, you know, if that situation comes up? We've probably got services in the community like, you know, childcare and all that sort of thing instead of the local aunties. Um, well, maybe the local aunties don't watch your kids all the time. Yeah. But they live in this culture of everybody living in each other's pockets where all services are provided by the people you know. You know is it better for the community and harmony and relationships in the community for many of these services to protect we humans from each other a little bit and give each other a bit of space. Is that bad? You know? So what I argued there was uh, you've got 
people coming from some village in Greece or something coming to Australia and say, "Oh, look, people aren't wandering in each other's in and out of each other's houses and dressing up in traditional dress and doing the prescribed dances and no other dances. You must do the same dance every week, you know, exactly the same steps, or in the case of the Ethiopians, exactly the same sort of shoulder wiggle." at all times or in the Greeks you know always that same sort of you know sort of swaying sort of stepping movement all the time um, and so I'm not disparaging all those things but there's not much room to move um, you know and, uh, and do something different maybe you know uh, so that was what that was all about so these are all examples of um, where one culture looks at another culture and sees something that is different in terms of how that culture operates and says, well, that other culture's got nothing, no culture, because it hasn't got culture like ours. All right, that was the point I made. I just remade it, but I don't care. You know, I'm happy to remake points because these podcasts are about relaxing, you know, not being entertained, you know, letting ideas wash over one. And that one to whom I refer is me because I'm speaking to myself okay so I'm letting my own ideas wash over me and you know coming at them again and again mulling over them all that sort of thing right now I just thought of another uh, sort of culture that is not a case of two different cultures but each of them doesn't uh, recognize the other and incorrectly uh, says that the other has no culture all right that's one sort but what about the ancient Romans uh, probably in some sense it's the greatest culture in history on one level you know most powerful and most amazing culture in history on one level were they not you know, everyone still talks about them uh, whatever culture you come from you who is listening uh, google Rome and see how many hits you get and google your culture and see how many hits you get which one's made the biggest splash? Uh, mine, says the Roman. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. Uh, so, now the Romans really didn't have their own religion. They really didn't have their own sort of food culture. They didn't have a, a dance culture, a music culture. They had nothing, you know. Um, all they had was militarism, um, power. They had this sense of power. Uh, and virtue or something like that, you know, but not much else. Virtue, engineering skills, and militarism. Did they have anything else, the Romans? Did they have anything else? Virtue, this sense of, you know, virtue, all for Rome and Rome for all, you know. No religion, really, of their own to speak of. Okay. Uh, engineering skills and military skills. They had nothing else. Now, arguably, that Rome had no culture, to speak of look i'll get on to military culture another day because the spartans for example had a warrior culture my goddaughter sent me something off the uh, from the world of social media which was an iceberg which had all the cultural features that, that there are no not, not not according to her according to this meme she sends me memes to give me you know fodder food for thought and uh so she sent me this thing and it had all the different elements of culture, you know. And it had, uh, and it had, yeah, dance, language, 
um, all those sorts of things, you know, um, religion, whatever, I can't remember, all those sorts of things. And none of the, none, nothing on there, and it might have been done by a progressive of the modern era, nowhere on there did I see fighting. Fighting as a culture. Now, Spartans, the Spartans, Sparta, probably one of the most famous cultures in history, and their major cultural feature was their warrior culture. They had a warrior culture, and yet it wasn't on this iceberg of cultural features. You know, and the, the iceberg, you know, was the visible signs of culture were above and the non-visible signs of culture were below the water, you know, um, nine-tenths of, you know. But nowhere in that entire iceberg above the water or below the water was there anything to do with warrior culture. So according to that iceberg, the Spartans had no culture. Now, the Spartans did happen to have music and all that sort of stuff, and philosophy and all that sort of thing, but the thing they're famous for is their warrior culture. Yeah, and their what? Their Spartan culture. You know what I mean by Spartan? Uh, not Spartan because they happen to be Spartan, but what? The Sparta now has its own word. It has its own meaning. Sparta. Um, it's entered our language as a word in itself. It means you know, being able to um, not needing luxuries, all that sort of stuff. You know, the Spartans were pretty amazing like that, and, uh, and uh, you know, able to live um, with. No, um, with no comforts and all that sort of stuff. You know, that's the Spartans. So I didn't see any evidence of that sort of culture in this iceberg. Now, my goddaughter did not intend for this iceberg to, to, you know, she wasn't promoting this iceberg. She was sending me the iceberg. You know, just because you send something to someone doesn't mean you uh, necessarily, you know, uh, that this is your belief system, your religion, everything you send. You know, I, I, I'm not on social media, but I hear people, um, now what do they call it, um, liking or sharing posts um, from other people and then people smashing them for sharing it because how dare they promote that thing. You know, but who says they're promoting it? You know, I might share something. If I was on social media, I might see something on Hitler that I think is horrendous and I might share it because it's interesting. Not that it's right. Not that I agree with it. Not that I believe it. But that it's interesting and worth a read. You know, for its... For... It's um, for its insight into evil, if you like. Hey, everyone, look at this, you know, eugenics, you know, just like the Spartans. <laughs> ah, dear. Anyway, um, isn't it, what do you think of this, you know? And then suddenly, you know, you lose your job because someone said, oh, such and such is sharing Nazi stuff, you know, and suddenly you find yourself losing your job because you shared something about the Nazis, you know, or, you know, you might be into gender equality and you share something by Pauline Hansen or, no, I should have said um, Muslims. You might love Islam, you know, like I do. And then you share something about Pauline Hansen and suddenly you lose your job, you know, because you forgot to say, to write an essay saying, just because I share something doesn't mean I agree with it, you know, and all this sort of thing. Okay, now I've got off the track there. I'm sure I can get back. Um, oh, yeah, the Romans had no culture. 
so to speak. They're, they didn't have their own culture. Oh, yeah, you're not as good as us then, Romans, might say the Greeks or anybody else really in that region. You know, the Ethiopians who are in the same region or the Egyptians. Oh, you know, you guys are not as good as us. Yes, but we own you. We own you, say the Romans. Now, we have a culture... Yeah, I spoke about the Spartan warrior culture, you know, which is not really properly acknowledged maybe as a cultural feature, your ability to be warriors. You know. These days, if you're, if you're cultural, it has to be all religious and how you dress and how you do your hair um, and, and whether you observe things religiously on every Sunday and all that sort of thing and, you know, go on pilgrimages. pilgrimages. But no, the Spartans had a warrior culture. Now, what was this culture that the Romans had? Now, the Greeks could look at the Romans and say, look, you're taking our religions, you know, you're taking our philosophy, you're taking everything that we created and sort of developed as cultural features, um, you know, our sense of logic, all that sort of stuff, um, our, our liberal arts and all these sorts of things might say the Greeks uh, because you've got no culture, you know. Now, this is different than what I was saying before because... And just putting aside, look, they did have a culture, you know, sort of military engineering, military slash engineering slash um, virtue slash what? Um, culture. Uh, but some of those things are not acknowledged in the 21st century even as cultural items, you know. So Europeans, for example, have a very a long history of science and technology, especially technology. That's why I'm speaking onto a phone now. And, you know, you get people coming into a European culture like uh, European Australia and saying, you've got no culture. And they say, well, you've got an iPhone <laughs> and we invented Wi-Fi. You know, something like that, because Australians did that. Uh, but, um, and they say, yeah, but that's not culture. And I say, well, who says? Are you say, you know, ah, oh, yeah, I saw an iceberg from you guys, and you said even fighting is not cultural. Um, so just because you say something's not cultural, what are you doing picking and choosing the things that happen to be cultural for you that you do and saying we define these things as culture because we do them and anything you do that's different than what we do um, is uh, not culture. So, you know, stroke of a pen, we can declare anything you have going for you culturally, let's say science and technology, you know, in the case of Europeans, um, out of the Enlightenment, out of the Enlightenment, you know, people would say that's not culture, you know, um, because for, for it to be culture, um, it has to be some sort of um, tradition, you know, old tradition, um, arts and all that sort of stuff and, you know, sense of community as we understand it, all that sort of stuff. That's culture. But science and technology is not culture and fighting is not culture. Now, the Ethiopians, for example, would probably list warrior culture as a proper cultural feature because they have a warrior culture too good on them uh, so they would probably acknowledge that so they wouldn't be happy with that iceberg either they say hey where's the fighting bit you know because we're great fighters we ethiopians and they are they're amazing um they've got a very uh, uh, a very famous warrior culture the ethiopians and they'll say where is fighting on that iceberg um yeah to which i'd say oh sorry ethiopians here it is 
you know, and they say, thank you very much, about time, far out. You forgot warrior culture, you know. You've got to put fighting there because we're good at it, you know. And then you say, oh, and then, you know, someone um, from Scotland, oh, where's, um, where's inventing, you know. And the Ethiopian said, what? Where's inventing technology, you know, because we Scots are good at inventing. You know, I'm Irish, by the way, by background, apparently, mostly. Um, and we Irish never invented anything, so I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about the Scots. Very good at inventing. Right. Um, where is inventing on your iceberg? And the Ethiopian said, oh, that's not culture. You know, culture, you have to actually be dressed up somehow, you know, like in traditional garb, you know, whether, whether you're fighting or dancing, you have to be dressed up and it has to be really sort of, you know, look cultural to us and um and then the scots will say well everything we've invented looks cultural to us are you enjoying all the fruits of our culture our science and technology culture and our philosophy culture because the scots have a powerful philosophy culture are you enjoying all that and they said nope can't go on the iceberg says the ethiopians because that's not our game what you're talking about there we were happy to put warrior culture on the iceberg but we're not putting um science and technology on the iceberg um and scottish philosophy in the enlightenment we're not putting that on there because we don't recognize that as culture that's not culture you know um so you know um but then the scots could say the same thing in reverse you know well we don't think fancy dress is uh culture we think science and technology and philosophy is okay um so how do you like that and then knowing the scots and the ethiopians uh bang 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 fight 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 to the death (laughs) over over philosophy (laughs) versus religion maybe you know that sort of thing all right yeah and um so that's how that works. But the Romans are an interesting case. Putting aside, you know, let's, let's go with the idea of the Turks or the Greeks or, oh, look, I don't know who, Ethiopians, whoever, who don't want science. Well, no, the Greeks would want science. So would the Turks, probably, I don't know. Islam's got a rich culture of, you know, they had their golden age um, of science and t- all that sort of stuff. Uh, technology, science, not technology, you know, technology as we know it today has just gone through the roof yeah and 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 that's pumped that's come pumping out of the enlightenment and you know all the those british and french and germans and all that sort of stuff you know what i'm talking about out of the enlightenment that's how technology's completely gone into a new level is science the scientific method out of the enlightenment you know and all that sort of stuff okay let's uh, the italians sorry italians um and so on so forth sorry galileo (laughs) okay um but the romans are interesting uh because their culture was to be open to other people's cultural features Okay, so, you know, those other people, you know, like someone would come to, you know, the, the Romans would take over some other land and the other land would have a god that the Romans would, oh, that's a good god, he's ours too now, we'll have that. Uh, or they would have some sort of um, other culture, a dance, you know, or a, a type of music or a musical instrument or a tradition or something. And the Romans would just say, oh, yeah, our culture is to, is to look at all the other cultural features in the world and if we like them, to adopt them, you know. Whereas most of those other cultures in the world um, would stick to their own cultures and be closed to influences from outside. 
So, for example, if you took... Um, a, well, I'm not sure they're that closed anymore. But you can imagine a, a very faith-filled culture somewhere. Um, you know, God, you know, total belief in God and all that sort of stuff. Very big traditions around God and um, very orthodox, let's say. Correct, you know. Um, and, you know, they're unlikely to be open to adopt, as open to adopting cultural features from other lands, for example, atheism, let's say, as, uh, you know, less open to that than the Romans were. Now, what are we talking about there? We're not talking about the Romans having one culture and, you know, let's say the Jews having another culture and the two of them just can't understand the others, you know, uh, the Greeks, let's say, the Greeks and the Romans, you know, we're talking about, you know, the Romans having a culture of being willing to adopt other cultures, features. So it's very hard to not have culture, you know. Um, the Romans became the greatest civilization, arguably, on the planet in history by not having cultural features. Yeah, yeah. except, you yeah, ones that aren't counted these days, like militarism and uh, engineering and uh, virtue, yeah, as the Romans understood it, not morality, but virtue, um, and all for one and one for all, whatever the Romans were into, you know what I mean? But the point is, did I, did I make any point there? I think I did. I think, the, I think the Romans provide another layer. And to the extent, you know, you could go to Rome and say, I can't see anything that's specifically Roman culture here. You know, like if you came from Greece and went to Rome, you would be wandering around Rome and say, how come these guys are running the world? I can't spot any real, specific... Oh, Food, yeah, they don't even have food, a culinary, you know, Italian food to this day. Oh, no Italians are listening, but really is just wheat, isn't it? It's pasta and sugar and stuff like that, you know, spaghetti and all that sort of stuff. It's not like Greek cuisine. Um, Italian food is really just carbohydrates, isn't it? Is there anything but carbs? in um, Italian cuisine. Look, yeah, I'm sure they have vegetables and everything, but I'm talking in the main. You know, I can't compare pasta to Greek dishes, you know, whether that be Greek dishes near the ocean, you know, that sort of blue and white sort of Greek restaurant you go to, or um, Greek dishes in the, in the villages, you know, um, up in the mountains, you know, which is Greek restaurants that are more brown. <laughs> okay, so... Um, Look, I can't be bothered um, pulling all this together into a tight conclusion. So I'm just going to let that drift off. And in there are some vague ideas which could be uh, tidied up, you know, packaged up and put a bow around it and some lipstick on it and there's your idea, you know. I think I was getting at the Romans. Look, look, I'll put a, a ribbon around it. I think the Romans didn't have many cultural features of their own but it's so but and yet they could be the greatest culture in history uh because they were open to adopting other people's cultural ideas whether that be from the egyptians with the gods and the and the greeks um and so on and so forth you know um and ideas they are open to ideas and practices and all that sort of stuff amazing culture the romans and yet you know, someone from a village who went and visited Rome in the ancient times would have said, this place has got none of its own culture. No culture, the Romans, no culture. And yet, 
It's my favourite culture. Why is that? Well, because Australia's a little bit like Rome. In the 21st century, Australia's a little bit like Rome. People are coming here and they say, I can't spot any specific Australian culture. It's probably because we're open to cultural ideas from other places. Look, we have got culture. I talked about it before, didn't I? We do have religion. We do have fairies. We do have lots of things. I haven't even started to talk about Australian culture, really. You know, separation of church and state. You know, my very favourite cultural feature of all cultural features on the planet. Separation of church and state. You know, I like that even better than atheism, you know. The communist-style banning of church. I don't like that. I like separation of church and state. I think it's utter brilliance. You know, if you come from another land and you come to Australia and say, I don't see any evidence of culture, I'll just, I'll just propose just that one thing, separation of church and state. And I'll say, that trumps every... Add, add up all your other cultural features and that one cultural feature is better. But having said that, this podcast is not. That's just a personal opinion, you see, a personal bias, you know. But this podcast is not about competition. It's about exploring the ideas of culture, you know. It's about exploring things, not me ramming one idea or another down your throat. In fact, I don't want you to... uh, necessarily change your mind as to what you if you come to australia and you think we've got no culture good you know uh, well not that good you know but um uh, and if you're let's say what am i thinking a redneck australian racist you know oh those guys are great um if you're one of those guys and you are exposed to culture in the old-fashioned sense, um, as we might call it, and you go along to a corroboree or something, and you sit there, you know, and you look like Prince Philip, sitting there observing some sort of primitive, sort of uh, tradition, and you know, you're just smiling. Oh, isn't that quaint? Isn't that quaint? You know, see, it can go both ways. You know, where you know the people practicing those cultures over in you know the Pacific Islands or something, and then Prince Philip goes along there and he goes, oh, "Look at this! This is so quaint." I got chopped off there by a phone call incoming because I speak these podcasts straight into my phone, and if I get a phone call, I get chopped off. So I got chopped off, but all I'll say about that is, good job. That'll do for this episode this time.